friend how are you doing how are you feeling what's going on in your life what's popping what's tea welcome to another thursday spent with me yours truly we're here for another episode of the podcast and let me tell y'all something we do not have a lot of episodes left okay we only got one more episode after this and your girl's going back on a little hiatus okay life is life and right now and she's winning okay you should see me right now if you could but thank god you don't If you are new here, Hey Friends with Layla Elise is a podcast for comedic and introspective souls. So in this podcast, you can expect to learn, laugh, and of course, have good conversation. Now let's go ahead and get into the most anticipated portion of the podcast, and that is bueno or no bueno. No Bueno is a segment where I share a story, whether it be in my daily life, in the news, or on social media. And I'm going to let you know what I think and if it's good or no good, aka Bueno or No Bueno. So this week, y'all, I wanted to talk about the nigglets that be cheating. And yes, I'm referring to Mr. Hold on, let me say this right. Mr. Ime Aduko. Aduka? Jesus. Nia Long fiance. Okay, let's just start there. Nia Long got cheated on. Bars or no bars, I don't know. But when I say it's been in the news, baby, it's been in the news. So according to TMZ, the Celtics employee with whom E-May had an affair helped make all his travel arrangements. And that job sometimes included organizing travel for his fiance Nia Long. Sources connected to the couple in the NBA franchise tell TMZ one of the staffer's duties, including um, included planning Adoko's team related travel. And we're told she was also involved in booking travel for Nia to come to Boston or to road games. Perhaps the most upsetting part for Nia is that the employee had a hand in Nia's arrangements to move to Boston permanently. TMZ broke the story. Nia had just moved east a little over two weeks ago with Kez, her 10-year-old son, with Ime. The Celtics are not releasing the name of the employee, but we're told Nia has been told who she is. So all this is credit to TMZ and, you know, TMZ don't be lying. So, yeah. But the point is, the question is, is it bueno or no bueno? Not even the fact that he specifically cheated on Nia Long, because that's that's a whole nother topic in itself. But is it bueno or no bueno how men are really out here being serial cheaters? Like, what is really going on? What's in the water? Like, I really want to know what why is the man cheating so much? Why is cheating almost a given in a relationship like if you get in a relationship it's almost you have to vow that cheating is going to happen who made that rule who decided who decided to come up with that because you deserve to be fired first of all I didn't even know that they had a son together I thought sis had just started dating him like a couple years ago I did not know they had a son together that was the shocker for me on top of that that's your fiance. And you sleeping with Shadi, who's whoever's like helping with the team and stuff in NBA. And I think I saw a picture of her. If if it's a lie, then 
you know, at me. But if it's not a lie, don't at me. But I think I saw a picture of her um, on Instagram that somebody had like, you know, thought that it's her or think that it's her, quote unquote. And let me tell you, she wasn't comparing. She wasn't comparing to Miss Nia Long. Let's just keep it real and keep it a buck. Like it wasn't giving Miss Nia Long. It was giving Miss Nia short. It was giving Miss Nia no. Okay. Cause she wasn't Miss Nia Long. And I was just like, honestly, and you would think, you know, if you're going to cheat on me, I've heard women say, if you're going to cheat on me, at least cheat with somebody that look better than me. And you know, I understand. Baby, these men is not cheating with people that look better than than their girls or their wives or whoever. They be just little somebody that you can just pick up and drop off. And quite honestly, I feel like that's the thrill in men cheating. You know what I'm saying? It's the fact that they don't have to commit to that person, that they're really only there for, you know, the peen and the vag and that's that in the story but then obviously you know when you when you have sex with somebody and I'm just I'm not even trying to take it biblical but when you having sex with somebody unprotected especially but just in general you know you develop an addiction to that feeling which eventually leads to a soul tie and it's hard to break that off so I get the fact that it is not once you get in it it is not easy to come out but at your age, sir, we got to do better. So clearly, as from where I'm going, <laughs> y'all already know I'm giving this a no bueno because it's not cool, especially to my good sis. But it's not cool in general. Like, what? I really want to know from y'all. Is it almost like if you're in a relationship and you find out that your man has cheated on you? Are you are you even surprised at this point? Like, are you even still? I don't want to say are you still allowed to be hurt? Because obviously you are. But it's almost like a, a fall in line, you know, and that's not OK. I think it's ruining our perception of relationships. I'm giving this a no bueno. Ema, you should be quite literally ashamed of yourself. And even to take it back to Miss Nia really quick. At first, I was like, I don't think this is true. And I really don't think Nia cared like that. Like, you know, she's kind of like a, you know, I'm that girl and I don't really care what anybody has to say type of vibe. But when I was on Instagram, um, I was reading this article that said that she is like really like not doing well as far as taking the news and everything like that. And I was like, dang. See, now you really finna make mad, Emei. What is his name, y'all? Is it Imei? Imei? I'm sorry. Now, now she really going through it? I don't like it. I don't like it. It's a no bueno. I can't. I, I'm not with it. I will never be with it. And I hope y'all not with it either. But of course, let me know what y'all think about this whole situation and how y'all feel about cheating in relationships. If you think it's a necessity, if it's bound to happen, if you're not with it, if you're not staying, if you are staying, I'm not judging. <laughs> I just want to know.
This next guest joining me is someone who I am so excited to be chatting with. Michelle Wimes is a strategic leader implementing change in management for a comprehensive and effective diversity and inclusion through professional development. Previously, Michelle practiced law for 14 years and even accomplished having her own award-winning program as Chief Diversity and Professional Development Officer. In her current role, Michelle has been charged with being a strategic advisor and educator for the Children's Mercy Hospital System. She uses data to assess cultural competency and develops action plans to close gaps. She's an author, mother, wife, innovator, and truly a beautiful soul. Mrs. Wines, please welcome to the podcast. So thank you again for doing this with me. I know your schedule is super busy. So thank you for slipping me on in there. But I wanted to start out with, so like what is imposter syndrome and like what are the different forms um, and the different types of ways it can show up? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm really excited. Um, we had the opportunity to meet. And so I'm happy to be able to share today. Um, So imposter syndrome is um, when you don't feel like you belong, like literally you feel like everybody else knows so much more than you know. And so it's that um, and how it shows up. It's that really that struggle um, with our internal identities and kind of how we see ourselves. And it's when we tell ourselves stories about not being good enough. We tell ourselves not that we're not good enough, that we don't know enough, that we don't know what everybody else knows. We're not as good as as everybody else. And so, um, you know, the things that we that folks that suffer from imposter syndrome, and I'm one of those folks because I've suffered from it. We think, you know, the things we say to ourselves is I'm a fake and I'm going to be found out. Or we say to ourselves, well, I had a whole lot of help. So because I had a lot of help, you know, I I really didn't do it on my own. So that that reinforces that imposter syndrome. Or I had connections, you know, um, this again, this thing of I'm not good enough. And I had to have connections to be able to get something done. Or, oh, people are just being nice to me right? Um, They didn't really mean that, or it's not really that I have the the qualities or that I have the expertise. It's just that they're being nice to me. Or I lucked out that this was a situation where I just kind of got lucky rather than really depending on my own skill, my own expertise, the things that I'm bringing to the table. Or if I can do it, anybody can do it again. So it's just that downplaying of what you're bringing to the table, that downplaying of your skills and your expertise, because you don't think that you deserve it. Imposter syndrome is constantly honestly something that we all kind of deal with in some some form or way so I wanted to know like what's one way that imposter syndrome shows up for you currently yeah so it showed up in my life um, just even a couple years ago I took this job uh, in healthcare, so I'm the chief equity and inclusion officer for Children's Mercy Hospital and I had spent my entire career 20 plus years in the legal industry so I was first for 14 years a practicing lawyer and then um, spent 12 years as a diversity professional um, within the legal industry as well so 
20 some odd years in the legal industry. And then when I received a call um, to just to, to have an informational interview with Children's Mercy to um, come in and, and talk about um, doing diversity within the medical industry and the healthcare industry, I suffered from uh, deep imposter syndrome. In fact, um, as I told you all during the seminar, I turned down the opportunity to come in and interview four different times. And the reason why is because I didn't think that I had the expertise for my skill set to translate from legal to medical, right? Um, and so I had to be convinced of that. And so I had deep imposter syndrome of not thinking that the skills and expertise that I had developed would be something that would be useful in another setting. And it turned out that it was, and it, it has been useful. And I've been able to, to deploy everything that I learned in the legal industry. And, and, and that doesn't mean I haven't had to learn new things. I, I have had to learn new things, but yeah, that, that's how it showed up for me recently was, you know, in the process of making that transition from mm -hmm. the legal industry to the medical industry. Yeah. I think for me, honestly, imposter syndrome kind of shows up in like waves. Like mm -hmm. I, I believe like I'm very determined, like, and I know that I can do certain things, which is why I do them. And so, you know, I have the faith, I have the courage, I have the determination, I have all these things, you know, in that process of going for it. And for then that. like when I'm put in front of it, that's when it hits me like, wait, like, what did I just do? Like, I don't think I can keep going with this. Like, even with, um, like this podcast and my other things that I'm doing, like, I'm like super, like for the podcast, I was super excited. Like, you know, I'm getting equipment, I'm getting this, I'm reaching out to people. I'm super excited. It's time to record. And I'm like, don't nobody want to hear you talk. <laughs> you know, like I'm sitting here like, man, I don't think nobody, nobody really wants nobody cares about what Layla says like it's really not that deep but those voices are real you know and sometimes it can really stop you from doing the things you want to do and it ultimately like kind of yeah. creates a little bit of fear as well yeah those voices are so real and I can give you another example that came up for me recently I was invited a couple months ago to Chicago mm -hmm. and it was a women's conference it was a professional women's conference and we were supposed to do TED like talks, right? So stand up on a stage for, you know, uh, everybody's talks range. Some people did 10 to 12 minutes. Mine was a keynote address. So I had to stand up between 20 and 30 minutes, right? Talk without notes and stand up on a stage and talk about some of the barriers and challenges that I faced as a black professional woman. And it was the first time in my um, life and in my career where I've had to do that, like stand up and really share personal, intimate um, details about things that I've overcome and to do it without notes was a little bit daunting. And so I remember um, even flying on the plane to Chicago. I'm like, why did I say I would do this? What did I get myself into? I can't do this. Like, I can't get on this stage. These people aren't going to want to hear about my life story. What's so unique about me? What do I have to offer? Why do they want to listen to me? You know, and so the funny thing is, right before uh, the seminar started, I was talking to a couple of other women and they had the same exact experience. They were saying, oh my God, you know, we're so nervous and we don't think that anybody wants to hear what we have to say. And so I think that it is just, it's a common thing. I think that you're right. It comes in waves, it comes in spurts, and it just depends on, I think when you're in a situation where you're pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and when you're doing something different, 
that imposter syndrome is going to come up, you know, many times, especially for women and people of color, it comes up because we are um, outside of the norm, right? We are, when folks see us walk in a room and, you know, we're just not the, the typical uh, person or folks that people are expecting to show up and especially expecting to show up in articulate, bright, energetic, resourceful way. And that puts a lot more pressure on us. And I'm so glad you mentioned almost that imposter syndrome sometimes can affect us more. And so like we know that imposter syndrome can stem from like our internal uh, like thoughts and our own voices. But sometimes I think imposter syndrome can be um, started or inflicted in those external environments, you know, where, where you work at or where you live or what school you go to. So like, what do we do in those type of environments? Because especially, I think those type of environments are things that we can't necessarily control or things that will change like automatically. So like, how do we deal with that feeling of feeling like an imposter in those type of situations where we pretty much are? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that that's such a great question. And I think first, we have to acknowledge that this, there is a systemic play, right? Mm -hmm. First, we have to acknowledge that there are systemic biases, there, there are systemic issues, when you're walking into a situation or an organization where you may be the one and only, you may be the only female, you may be the only black person or person of color, you may be the only LGBTQ person in the room. And so, um, and we're walking into situations many times where we're told, or, or, or what we see is that there typically has been one way to do something, right? There's one way to be a lawyer. There's one way to be a doctor. And typically that follows these, um, the, the male patriarchy, right? If, and, and, it, and it follows, you know, just kind of the way our systems have been built that have been built for men and been built for white people. And so we, if we don't see people who look like us in positions of authority, um, if we don't see people who look like us who are, are walking the path that we want to walk, right? It's difficult. And, and, and that will make us feel like we don't belong. It will make us kind of feel like we are imposters in that particular situation. And it doesn't help when you've had when you have like toxic mentorship, right? Folks who, <laughs> who who don't look like you and who don't understand the challenges and the barriers that you're overcoming and who just tell you, I'll just suck it up, do what I did. And nine times out of 10, what they did is not going to work for you because you're different. So I think First of all, it's acknowledging that there are systems at play. I think the second thing is to do is to acknowledge who you are in your uniqueness and how you can show up and embrace all of the unique things about you. That's who you are, how you're showing up and how you're going to connect with others. And so just like I did with you all in the exercise, you have to think about, okay, well, what am I bringing to the table? What are those unique um identities that I'm bringing to the table that nobody else in this particular environment are bringing to the table so that I can leverage that to the good of myself doing well and to the good of this organization or this department or this team. So when I think about me, like I am a black woman, right? I am married. I am straight. I'm a mom of three. I'm college educated. I have a law degree. I'm a former teacher. I'm a former litigator. I'm Catholic. I mean, there are so many unique intersecting pieces of my identity that come together to form the unique person that Michelle Patterson Wimes is. And if you can start to think about those things as your secret sauce, as your power, 
that you're bringing to the table, that is going to go a long way toward helping you to get rid of imposter syndrome because you realize there's not a whole lot of other Michelle Patterson Wimes is out there that bring that unique skill set, that unique identity. And I should be valued for the perspectives that I, the experiences, the lived experiences that I had that I'm bringing to the table to um, leverage in this particular situation. Does that yeah. make sense? Makes perfect sense. to kind of what you said is like you have to take the time to really um find what makes you different and find what makes you 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 know I think so many times is um just people in general doesn't matter what age but like you can get so caught up in like just every what everybody else is doing you know and I think yeah. those times too our imposter syndrome can be triggered by our ways of comparison you know like sometimes yes. I uh, we get into the habit of seeing what other people have and what we admire. And we just like just go through this whole spiral that really is not it's unnecessary because we're either in a totally different position in life, um, yeah. not even in the same like realm pathway, none of that. And we're stressing ourselves yeah. like for no reason. So I want to know, like, what was your biggest lesson or takeaway you took from that type of experience where you've like compared yourself whether it be personally or professionally like anything like that yeah so I mean I think the biggest um takeaway that I had I remember when I was a young lawyer and um I remember not feeling comfortable wearing braids you know I have braids in my hair right now right I remember not feeling comfortable wearing pants because when we when I first started practicing 25 some odd years ago women did not wear pants we certainly didn't wear pants to court. You wore skirts and um, suits, uh, dress suits every day. Um, and then the men always wore these ties. And so we wore like these, and they wore bow ties. And so we as women would wear these little bow ties, you know, on, on you know, with our suits and whatnot. And I just remember being so uncomfortable <laughs> and not feeling like, and that even exacerbated my feelings of not belonging. And so Finally, when I started embracing, you know what, you're not a white male, you don't have to wear a suit, you know, you don't have to wear a tie to, to, to work every day, right? And I started embracing my own unique personal style, and I was still professional, I still showed up in a way that was presentable and that, you know, inspired confidence so that my clients would, would, would perceive me to, to, to be credible and be able to represent them. But that's when I got happier because I then started expressing my own unique take on um, how to show up in a way that was more in alignment with my authenticity and who I was. So that's just, you know, one little small example. But, um, and, and I do also remember, you know, just in, in practicing as a lawyer, um, feeling like, you know, there were times where I would be the only black woman at the table, and I would be scared to speak up, you know, do these people really want to hear my opinion? 
And it's when I found my voice and I actually started sharing, you know, my thoughts and my opinions and my lived experiences. And I saw that people were listening because I did have a unique experience and they did um, find some value in that, particularly the clients that I was representing. And so I think just finding that voice, finding your uniqueness, embracing that, those are just a couple of examples of how I was able to do that successfully, I think. Yeah, I think I would say, too, sometimes you kind of have to separate the facts from the feelings, you know, like the fact is, OK, this is what makes me different or this job picked me because of this or, you know, right. I'm going for this job because I went to college f- for this degree or whatever stage of life you're in. And I think for myself, too, especially for those of us that suffer from anxiety a lot and worry a lot, I think that kind of makes imposter syndrome even worse. But for me, yeah. like what I've kind of contributed and am still learning is like separate the facts from the feelings like your feelings shouldn't drive you and I think so many times for myself like my feelings have driven me to do things or to like try to be accepted around certain people or basically to not be myself and I'm just trying to be better at like really processing my emotions and understanding my feelings but going off of what I know and going off of those facts and those facts is that you know maybe I don't need to be around all these people or maybe you know the fact is no like I am capable of whatever career or whatever um, just aspirations that I'm wanting you know so I think that's another important part of really you know, finding that uniqueness in yourself as well. I, I agree. You know, we, we went through a lot of different strategies for combating imposter syndrome during that seminar that I, that I, where I met you. Um, and that was the couple of things, the first things that I talked about. Um, one is that even acknowledging that you're having those thoughts to yourself, right? So, so taking a moment and saying, okay, why am I thinking negatively here? Why am I feeling like I don't belong, right? Why am, so taking the time to label those feelings when they happen so that you can call yourself out, right? And then you can say to yourself, okay, then I need to take control of that self-talk and I need to stop thinking negatively. I need to stop talking to myself like I don't belong here. Because if you went to college, if you went to law school, you went to medical school, you, you got the interview, you got the job offer, obviously somebody saw something in you that that they feel like you have the expertise and you have the um, skill set to be able to do the job, to be able to be in the room, to be able to express the opinion, then you need to, to kind of take a step back and say, well, why am I thinking this about myself? So catching yourself and then really acknowledging to yourself, well, damn, I did work hard to get here. These are the steps, A, B, C, and D, that I did to get here, right? It wasn't just a result of luck. It was a result of hard work. It was a result of me putting in the time and the energy and the commitment to do what I had to do to even place myself in this position in the first place. Friend, really, really quick. I hate to interrupt this great conversation, but I want to get your input on something. I am thinking about doing a live podcast Um, where we're just going to chat. I'm going to go live. We're going to have a regular formatted episode, but obviously you guys are going to be online chatting, sending in your comments. I'm going to be reading them. It's just going to be a good time of us clowning. But what I need you to do is I need you to send me 
things, topics, this or that, what would you do, advice, whatever you want me to talk about, answer or put my opinion on, I want you to send it to me right now. Send it to my email at lookswithlayla at gmail.com. That is lookswith, L-A-I-L-A at gmail.com. Send me your topics, whatever you want to talk about, or even send me a voice message as well on my anchor link. All right. I can't wait to hear from you and I'll keep you updated. Let's get back to the conversation. I think, too, a couple of other things that I talked about was pushing yourself, you know, challenging yourself to do something scary, even if it's scary, even if you think that you're going to fail, because we know that failure is nothing but feedback, right? But we don't fail. Failure is feedback. It tells us what we can do better or different the next time, right? So pushing yourself to get outside of your comfort zone, to ask for that pay raise, you know, to go for that job, that that dream job. And, um, you know, the, the other thing that, that I talked about was adopting a growth mindset, too, which is, you know, again, that failure piece. You're not failing. You are learning from that right? What can you learn from those things? And then having that mindset that this is doable, I can do it. I just have to put in the work, right? To, to get it done. Yeah, that is, oh, that is so good. Failure is feedback, y'all. Y'all better be taking notes. I, okay, I want to ask you this question. I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. So when you were talking about toxic mentorship, like that was just like a yeah. ding, ding, ding in my head, because I have like, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to boast about myself, but I'm just going to for a little bit. So like throughout my life, I'm only 17, but throughout my life so far, I've had more connections with people older than me than people younger than me. So there have been a lot of situations where people like older people have felt the need to want to like, I don't want to say nurture, but really like hold me to a higher standard, like closer to them. And so like my parents, you know, love them to death. And so I always kind of try and consult with them. And I remember one time my mom was telling me, you know, when you go to an art exhibit, they have, you know, their most valuable pieces up, but there's always some way of security because you don't, you can't touch the art. And so she was basically telling me like, you know, I'm your rope, I'm your glass case and you are the art and it's my job to protect you. And I think like some people are intentional about a little bit of putting those seeds in your head that you're not good enough just so they can be, you know, and I think it's important to when you are able to do that self work, you'll kind of be able to discern a little bit better. So like, have you had a little bit of that toxic mentorship or just that dichotomy of like, you know, I want to listen to these people because maybe they do care for me. But at the same time, I still want to live my life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Like I've had situations where people have mentored me and I've watched this happen with other people too, where somebody will have mentored you and poured resources into you. And then the minute they see that you're starting to climb and that you're starting to, um, you know, you've, you've availed yourself of the resources Mm -hmm. that they you've you've thanked them for the resources that they've shared you've um you know you've taken their advice and then you start to bloom and you start to grow and then sometimes you'll see that mentors kind of make it jealous or maybe in a situation where they feel like well man well who is she now all of a sudden she thinks she's xyz you know and so i I've, I've had situations like that where i've had to say to myself you know what perhaps i've outgrown this relationship 
perhaps I've outgrown this situation. And this person, I, I firmly believe that people come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And there are certain relationships that come in to teach you what you need to learn in that moment to progress and to grow. And then they're done. Like that, that was their sole purpose of coming into your life. And that is for a reason. There are certain people who come in to help you transition into a different period of your life. That's for a season, right? Then there are certain people, mentor sponsors that come into your life and they are there for always. They are there to, with, with you hook and crook. They are, you know, they're, they're starting with you. They say starting from the bottom and now you're on top. They're there from the bottom and they're there all the way through the top. And so you just have to have that discernment to be able to know who's there for a reason, who's there for a season and who's there for a lifetime. And there's nothing wrong with any of those three. You just have to recognize, well, well which one is it? And then respond accordingly. That is that is definitely key that I think anybody can take away. Like, you know, you should always be a student. And so I'm really learning that. So I want to ask you this question. So we kind of talked about imposter syndrome and basically kind of the keys to coping with it or maybe getting over it. But do you think it is possible for imposter syndrome and that confidence and that knowing that, you know, I am deserving? Do you think that is possible to kind of coexist at the same time? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think confidence and imposter syndrome often go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. because, and so obviously I have risen to a certain point in my career, right, where I've developed an expertise. I've put myself out there on social media. I've, you know, just done the things that will put me in a position. Um, and so I do have a level of confidence that comes with the work that, that I've done over the last 20 years to get there. But that doesn't mean that there's not a doubt for me when that opportunity comes up. Like I told you about the Chicago speaking uh, situation, right? Um, so, so on one hand, yes, very confident that I have the skill set, I have the ability, I was asked to do this. And yes, I'm going to embrace that opportunity. But once I get there, is there that flicker of, oh my God, what did I just sign up for? Oh my gosh, are these people really wanting to listen to? And, and do I really have something to say that they need to listen to? So I think they can live side by side. And my suggestion for that is just to push yourself, right? To get outside your comfort zone and to fake it till you make it. Sometimes you have to fake it. And sometimes by, by faking it, you can see that you're adapting. You can see that you're dealing with the situation. And then your confidence can come from actually dealing with that situation as you're going through it, right? So sometimes your confidence may come a little bit later and you have imposter syndrome early on. Sometimes you have confidence and then you get someplace and the imposter syndrome kicks in. So I think they live side by side. There's one statistic that just blows my mind when you think about men and women and applying for jobs and how women will wait until they have 80 to 90 percent of the, the requirements and a job description before they even apply whereas men if they have 50 to 60 percent of what the job description does they will apply right so we are holding ourselves back from opportunities because we think we have to check everything off of the box we have to meet all of the little requirements men aren't doing that 
they aren't doing that. They're like, oh, well, I meet a majority of these requirements. So let me go ahead and just throw my head in the ring and let me just go ahead and check and see, you know, uh, and, and just apply for the, the opportunity. I want more of us as women and more of us as people of color to jump on those opportunities, even if we don't feel like we meet every single requirement. You know, if you've done the work for the most part and you have the education and you put yourself in a position um, to have relationships with people who believe in you and trusting you enough to give you the opportunity, we need to push past our comfort zone and we need to go for it. Yeah. I think too, the, for me, the misconception was like, if I have fear, then that means that my fear is somewhat greater than my ability, you know? And then when I get to that yeah. certain point of, okay, I'm here, then because yeah. I have fear, I can't do it. And kind of yeah. like you said, there is um, there is a little bit of a middle ground. There's always a little bit of gray somewhere, you know, it may not be a big area of gray, but I think you always have to, it goes back to that balance thing. And what I've really been kind of talking about pretty much throughout the past couple of months is, you know, balance for me is not 50, 50, because I think sometimes for what I've been taught, not necessarily from my parents or anybody intentionally, but what has been shown to me is balance is 50% of this and 50% of that. But balance sometimes can be 70, 30 or 60, 40 or 80, 20, maybe 10, 90, you know, but it's all, it's important that you're always um, reaching and pulling. There's, there can just be so many things that you think about that can sway how you react or sway, you know, kind of like you said, that push to go for those opportunities or that push to go to pursue that relationship or whatever it is. But if you don't take that chance and that opportunity to really like push yourself, you know, you may miss out or it may take you longer to get there, yeah. too. I want to ask this last question. So what is your advice for us youngins and us, you know, pretty much like going into ourselves and into life and really creating um, like a bigger purpose for ourselves? What is your biggest advice for us? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice, Layla, would be to, um, first of all, understand who you are, understand what it is that you want to accomplish um, in life. And if you don't know what it is that you want to accomplish, go back to your values. What do you value? And then those values can drive your behaviors, right? Um, I, I think about, I think that it's so important to not limit yourself. I think it's important to visualize success, however it is that you visualize success, whether that's having a family, whether that's having a career, whether that's having a family and a career, nobody can tell you what's right for you or what's wrong for you. You're the only person who can, who, who can say what it is that you're interested in doing how it is that you want to go about doing that and what's right for you, right? And so I think that you can learn from other folks by looking at, you know, the paths that people have taken by talking to people like you're talking to me now and understanding what are the choices that they made, what are the mistakes that they made along the lines, so, along the way. So, so I think understanding who you are, understanding what your values are, understanding what it is that, that you want to do, what's driving you, what's your passion, what's your... Where's your energy and your focus going toward trying to talk to as many people as you can who have walked that path that you want?
want to walk so that you can understand what, what are the mistakes that they made? What are the barriers that they had to overcome? How did they get where they are? And then that way you can make some choices individually about whether or not you want to walk that same path or whether you want to make different choices for yourself. And then I think just, as I said before, not limiting yourself, visualizing success visualizing myself having that conversation giving that speech persuasively you know persuading somebody to 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 um, buy into the idea that I have and I imagine it from the very beginning to the very end and at the end I imagine myself being successful and I imagine myself actually getting the thing that I wanted to have right and accomplishing the goal that I wanted to accomplish and so I just think that if you think big you don't limit yourself, you visualize that success, you put in the hard work to make that goal that uh, achievable, then it's, it's, it's something that you can do. And, and I also think that it's important to grab some cheerleaders along the way to build relationships with people. You, nobody can be successful in and of themselves. It's always going to take a village. So being willing to invest in those relationships, not just taking from those relationships, but investing in them, um, because that's one of the things that I, that perturbs me when I'm mentoring or sponsoring other people, when they don't ask me, well, what can I do for you? How can I help you? It's a, it's a two way street. It's not just me giving out information, me giving out my connections and my resources and my networks. But once you get that opportunity, say yes, as you said, don't let fear make that decision for you. Don't let your feelings make that decision for you. Say yes to that opportunity. And then I think owning your own success right? Um, when people compliment you, hey, great job, own it and say thank you. You don't have to dismiss yourself. You don't have to say, but I had help. Oh, I had connections. I had all these other things that we often do when we have imposter syndrome. You can simply say thank you, right? You deserve that. You worked hard for it. Thank you. Own your success. Isn't she everything? Like, do you get why I was so excited to talk to her? There were definitely, definitely some nuggets dropped. And I hope that you, my friend, found yourself in at least one thing we said. Thank you again, Mrs. Wines, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come talk to us and talk with me. You got to make sure you are following me on your podcast platform, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or through my anchor link. Turn on those notifications so you never miss an episode. And even if you have missed the episode, you already know you need to go back and listen to them because you know the season has been too good. And before we come to an end, I need you to be caught up. Okay, well, all right. I'll see you on the next one. Bye, friend.